0: A couple of months ago, when Paul asked me to preach, he, um, I asked if he wanted me to continue in his series, or if he wanted you know, something particular, and he said he was going to be done with his series, so his guidance to me was, preach something from the Bible, <laughs> which narrows it down. So I'm going to be preaching about what I've been thinking about, what I have been tremendously blessed by. Uh, some weeks ago, I was in, in, in my devotional time reading through 2 Corinthians. And you know how sometimes you, you come across a verse or a passage and, and the Holy Spirit just whacks you on the head and works in your heart. So um, we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 to 18. That's where we'll be. So let me read that for you. The Apostle Paul says this, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. We pray, God, that you would sink it into our hearts. Lord, would you tailor whatever it is that you want to do in our hearts, Lord, would you do that for us by your Holy Spirit? May the name of Jesus be exalted. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, if you know anything about athletics, especially sports, where there's a fair amount of exertion, you know you need endurance. I was a basketball player, soccer player in school, and I knew that I needed to develop endurance, because if I didn't have endurance, I would be very little use to the team. I would never finish strong in a game without endurance. And if you're a runner, if you want to run a marathon, there's no way you're going to run through the race and across the finish line unless you develop endurance. And it's the same in the Christian life. It's no different. The Christian life is a long and sometimes difficult race. And we as Christians, you and I, need endurance. None of us are exempt from from hardships. We experience hardships no matter what age we are, at varying degrees, varying levels, varying lengths of time. Job 5.7 says, Man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. Jesus said, In the world you will have tribulation. We love that promise. <laughs> and trouble and affliction have a tendency to deplete us. They drain us. Our lives are not static. Static. We have times when we feel a great amount of spiritual vitality, we feel energy, we feel courage for a while, and then it drains away because of the cares of life. That's the normal pattern of life. We, we deplete and we replenish. We empty and we fill. We expend and we regain. That's just the pattern of life. Nobody lives in a steady state of strong spiritual vitality every day of their life. Nobody does. We need to be regularly renewed and refreshed and re-energized, and if we aren't, eventually, over time, we're going to start to lose heart. We're going to start to grow hopeless, and we might be tempted to give up. So Paul gives us three secrets to endurance in our text for today. The key to endurance I would say, has three parts from this text. Number one, cultivate your inner self, cultivate your inner self. Verse 16, so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Notice that the verse starts with the word, so, or some translations start, therefore, so we do not lose heart. Why don't we lose heart? Well. That word tells us to look back for a little context. So we go back to verse 1 in this chapter. Paul says this, Therefore, having this ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. There's that phrase. He has this ministry. What ministry? The Lord Jesus gave Paul the ministry of the gospel, and that ministry is bearing fruit. It is transforming lives. Paul's gospel ministry is turning spiritually dead people into spiritually alive children of God. God is using Paul to see people delivered from judgment and from the bondage of sin through faith in the gospel he's preaching. So he does not lose heart. Well, what's that message that he's been preaching? The message of the gospel is very simple. It's a message that's transforming people's lives. But it's a simple message. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. What's this message? It's a very simple message of holy calling, sin, threat of judgment, and redemption. God created you, and God called you to live a holy life, to reflect His holiness that's his calling to every human being on this planet. The problem is we do not reflect God's holiness. We're sinners. We fall into rebellion into sin. And because God is our creator, we are accountable to him. And so according to scripture, we're on a slippery road heading straight to judgment. Unless, unless something happens. And in God's divine plan and God's perfect love. He sent his divine son to to come to earth to live that perfect, holy, sinless life that you and I could never live. He lived it in our place. And then he went to a cross and he absorbed all of the judgment. God laid our sin on him. And he absorbed all the judgment for us in our place. He did that so that he could save us so that we would respond to him and come to him in in humble, repentant faith and trust in him and what he has done for us. And we would be saved from judgment. Very simply, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. First John 5, 11-12, this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Very simple message. You must come to faith in Jesus Christ and trust in Him for what He has done for you. So my question to you is, have you heard this message before and have you responded by faith? Have you come to Jesus Christ in humble, repentant faith and received him and trusted in what he has done for you on the cross? Don't leave that question unsettled. Yes, the gospel ministry was bearing fruit, but it was also beating down the apostle. Over and over we see it. It was depleting him. It was draining him. It was wearing him out. It was causing him to suffer in various ways. But his ministry was bearing fruit, and he loves that people are being transformed. That was his life's mission, and so he doesn't lose heart. So we see also that he knows that one day when the course of his life is finished, After his death, he'll be resurrected and be with Jesus. Look at verses 13 to 15. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak, knowing, Paul knows something incredible, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Paul knows that soon enough, God is going to be raising him up and usher us together, all believers, into the presence of Jesus. And more and more people are being saved through his ministry. It leads to greater and greater thanksgiving, which leads to greater and greater glory of God, and Paul loves that. And so he does not lose heart. And then we come to verse 16. And all this applies to all Christians, not just to apostles. We don't lose heart because our inner self is being renewed. Our inner self is being renewed, but our outer self is wasting away. Amen? How many can start feeling that, right? We know that that's happening. Our outer self is our our physical embodied selves. Paul calls our bodies jars of clay and mortal flesh earlier in the chapter. It's the the perishable part of ourselves. Our outer self is fragile, and it's vulnerable. We know that. We see it in our own lives. And our bodies are temporary. They were designed to function here for just a little while. Just for a lifetime here on earth. And we age, and we get weaker, and we wear out, and that is just the nature of our bodies in a fallen world. We're wasting away. And then we have our inner self, the immaterial part of us. That's the heart, the center of a person, the source of your will and your emotions and your affections and your thoughts, the part of us that will not decay and waste away like our bodies will. The inner person lives forever and will one day be united to a whole new resurrection body like the body of Jesus in a body that will never wear out. So no matter what's happening to your outer physical self, God is constantly at work renewing your inner person by His sanctifying, empowering grace. We are being renewed day by day. God is faithful. He's renewing us particularly when we walk by faith and submission to His Word. God has given us His Spirit to empower us and give us grace. He's given us his divine word to fortify us and give us wisdom. He's given us his promises to encourage us and give us hope. And he's given us the fellowship of the brethren to build us up and give us strength. So we can go through anything in this life. We can go through anything and still endure, and not only endure, but thrive and live with joy and peace in our souls, knowing that God is at work renewing us in our inner person. Look at verses 7 to 9, look back a little bit. He says, but we have this treasure. What treasure? Verses 4 to 6, the treasure of the glory of the gospel, the blessing of salvation, the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We have this treasure in jars of clay in our embodied person to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. These things happen to us in our fallen world, but God is strengthening us, he's protecting us, and he's fortifying our inner self so that we're not going to be destroyed and overcome. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed Day by day. The first key to cultivate your inner self, that's the first key, and you will not lose heart. You won't be crushed or destroyed, no matter what affliction you go through. The second key to endurance is is anticipate your eternal reward. Anticipate your eternal reward, and you will not lose heart. You'll be renewed in your soul. Verse 17 For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Now that's actually a really remarkable verse for the Apostle to write. We're talking about the Apostle Paul here. Now what affliction do you think he has in mind when he writes that? Well, we could start in chapter 1, verses 8 to 9. He says this. He starts with what he suffered in Asia. He says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He probably also has in mind chapter 11, verses 23 to 28, and he writes this about himself. He talks about his burdensome labors, imprisonments, countless beatings, often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods." Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was adrift at sea, dangers from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure." And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Beaten, whipped, stoned, left for dead. Light afflictions. Not sure that's how I would have assessed all of that. Really, Paul, how could you say that? I mean, is he falsely or modestly sort of downplaying and minimo- minimizing his, his physical trials in his life and ministry? I mean, he's certainly not hiding it. He told us what it is. Is this kind of a macho guy thing that no matter what hits him, he gets up off the ground and says, I'm good. The reason he can call his afflictions light is because he knows something about weight. He knows about eternal weight. The only way heavy trials can seem light in this life is if you know about the enormity of the the glory that awaits you in the next life. He calls it the eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. He says that what awaits you is an eternal weight of glory that's way out of all proportion to any affliction you're going to face here. It's way out of proportion. So much better, so much bigger, so much weightier. It'd be almost like, you know, your, your, your neighbor asks you over and he, he asks you to help him move his couch, and then as a thank you, he writes a check for a half a million dollars. Out of proportion, way out of proportion to what you did. Paul says in Romans eight eighteen, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. In light of eternal glory, in light of your coming resurrection and new bodies, in light of the glory of being in the presence of our Savior, in light of the glories of the new heavens and the new earth, in light of your heavenly rewards, your sufferings in this life, by comparison, are light. Your afflictions are actually producing something, it says in the passage. They're preparing or effecting something. Your afflictions are not without meaning. They are producing glory. No amount of suffering patiently endured will go unrewarded. No amount of persecution and harassment for your faith will go unrewarded. No amount of hardship endured by walking in faithful dependence on God will go unrewarded. Not one second of your suffering and affliction is without meaning. God is using all of it to do so many things. He's using it to draw you to himself, to wean you from the world, to grow your spiritual depth, to sanctify your life, and produce future glory. When you walk with God in childlike faith and dependence on the goodness and the faithfulness of God, He will reward you. And the biggest reward is to be in the presence of our Savior. Amen? To see face-to-face the glorious, divine Son of God who laid down His life to purchase you, to see him face to face. I love those lyrics from the song we were singing earlier. I will glory in my Redeemer, who waits for me at the gates of gold, and when he calls me, it will be paradise, his face forever to behold. That's the prize. The writer of Hebrews says our hope of eternal life is a sure and steadfast anchor for the soul. It's an anchor when the ship of our life is getting tossed and blown and pummeled. And we don't lose heart because our afflictions are light. They are light in light of eternal glory. And also because your afflictions are momentary. And when Paul says momentary, he doesn't have in mind here that your afflictions last 60 seconds and then they're gone, or they're just here and as, as fast as they came, they're gone. He's using that word because our afflictions are confined only to this lifetime. And no matter how long our lifetimes feel, they're brief. Your afflictions may last a week this time, Maybe it'll last a month, maybe years, maybe for the rest of your life. But it's temporary, it's momentary. James says in James four fourteen, What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. I mean you've seen that, right? Mist. Or like you're out in the cold and, and you see the breath of your when you go out in the cold and it's it's gone. Your life is a mist. It's short. It's momentary. And none of your afflictions will last beyond this life. When you see Jesus, it'll be over. They'll all be completely behind you. Think of time as a string. I'm just trying to get... How do we get a handle on this? Think of time as a string. And one end of the string is tied to a post on the coast of California, and the other is tied to a post on on a coast of New York, and it's going through that door to this door, and it's right here. So I got the string, and I have this black marker, and I put a dot on that string. In light of eternity, the entire history of, of everything that we know of could be recorded on that dot compared to eternity or your life. It's not without meaning, but it's momentary. Our afflictions are light and momentary, so we do not lose heart. And then in verse, the first five verses of chapter 5, Paul says that in the resurrection, he, he calls our, our bodies here a tent, and then we're going to get a resurrected body, and it's a building. He's using a, an analogy here. Our physical bodies would be transformed into the bodies. Into, into like Jesus' resurrected body. It'll be a glorified body that will never waste away or wear out or fail. Anticipate your eternal reward and you will not lose heart. A third key to endurance, number three, concentrate on eternal realities. Concentrate on eternal realities and you will not lose heart." Verse 18, "...as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, they're temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal." According to this verse, if you want to be renewed in your inner person, where you look matters. If you want to be renewed day by day, you have to look at something, something specific. You have to look at some things that are not visible. And the things that are seen are all the day-to-day circumstances of your life, all the real and legitimate concerns that you have in your life, the pressures of life, the burdens you have with your children, the pressures of work, long-term illnesses, relational troubles that have been consuming you, afflictions and hardships that you're going through. All those things are the, they're the shiny things that attract our attention and they tend to pull us there and keep us there. Those are all the things that are seen. And if all you look at through your day is your troubles and your pressures, you'll be depleted and you'll be discouraged and keep stacking up those kinds of days one after another, week by week, week by week, month by month, year by year, and you'll grow weary and you'll lose heart and you'll be tempted to give up But there are other things, Christian, to look at that will renew you. Unseen things, eternal things, glorious spiritual realities of knowing Christ. Paul says that we're renewed day by day as we look to eternal realities and keep on looking. We fix our eyes on them, it says in the NIV. Fix your eyes on these things. Yes, look at your daily cares. Take care of the things. You have to deal with things in your life. Take care of them. But then look up and keep looking up. Paul says in Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 to 4, if then or since then you have been raised with Christ, seek and keep on seeking the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Set your minds, set them there, like a compass dial. Set it there. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And here's one of the renewing thoughts you should set your minds on. Verse 4, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Those spiritual realities are peppered throughout the scriptures. Keep your your minds open and, and be looking for those things. Listen, if you never open your spiritual eyes and look on these spiritual realities, they'll be just as real, but they won't do anything to encourage your soul in this life. They won't be a source of renewal in your soul. You'll be stuck looking at all the energy depleting and burdensome realities of your hardships. I mean, think about planning a fabulous vacation to somewhere exotic, like maybe Akron or Youngstown or (laughs) wherever. Isn't the PVA a great part of your vacation? Pre-vacation anticipation? Think about it. You know, you're thinking about it in the weeks that are leading up to this vacation. You're thinking about it. You're getting excited about what it is. You're getting excited. It's one of the great parts of having a vacation. You're anticipating the real thing. Well, you need to practice PHA, pre-heaven anticipation, and look ahead and get excited. It'll renew you in your inner person. Talk about it. Encourage one another with it. Why do we need to do that? Because we forget. Well, there's two implications that emerge from from this. Number one, you need to know what those eternal realities are so you can look at them, right? So you need to keep your face in the Scriptures and be watching for them. Take note of them. Number two, you then need to discipline your mind, have discipline in your mind to think about those things and not just on the things that are seen. When you're tempted to brood on all your troubles, very tempting, very discouraging. Why do we do this? When you're tempted to brood on all your troubles, turn your thoughts toward Christ and eternal, eternal truths. We sang this last week. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Well, here's a pretty good start on a list of eternal things you should look at. saw this pastor and author, John Piper, wrote this. He said, Look, the power of God and the life of his Son are manifested in your weakness. The power of God and the life of his Son are manifested in your weakness. Look, the the life of Jesus is flowing through your suffering into the lives of other people. Look, God sustains you in your afflictions and will not let you be destroyed. Look, your afflictions will not have the last word. You will rise from the dead with Jesus and with the church of God and live in joy forever and ever. Look, your afflictions are momentary, only for a brief lifetime. They are only for now, not for the age to come. Look, your afflictions are light compared with the eternal weight of glory. Compared to the pleasures of what's coming, they are light. Look, every moment of suffering is producing, effecting, and working for you an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Pretty good list. And here's a few more soul-renewing truths from the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 2. Look, God saved us by His grace and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Romans 8. Look, Look there. And since Jesus ascended to the Father, he is preparing a place for you, John chapter 14. And it's going to be mind-blowing. And one day he's going to come back for you, and he's going to receive you to himself and be with you forever. You can endure anything if you know deep in your soul that your Savior loves you and that he is walking with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. He will never abandon you, and he will come back with you. He will come back for you and take you to be with him for the rest of eternity. You you will not lose heart, and you'll be renewed day by day if you concentrate on eternal realities. Many of you have heard the testimony of Johnny Erickson Tada. She was an active, athletic young lady growing up, and when she was 17 years old, she dove into the Chesapeake Bay and she misjudged the shallowness of the water and she hit the bottom and was paralyzed from the shoulders down. It totally transformed her life, as you can imagine, in many ways. God turned her tragedy completely around. He was pleased to use her for the last more than five decades in ministry to minister to many thousands, maybe millions of people. To date, she has written over 40 books, founded Johnny and Friends, which is an organization to accelerate Christian ministry in the disabled community, recorded several albums. Starred in an autobiographical movie of her life, speaks at conferences around the world, has a tremendous international ministry. In 2010, Johnny was diagnosed with stage 3 breast cancer. In Christianity Today magazine, she said that for her, the eternal prize is to honor Christ as best as I can through this ordeal. That's the eternal prize. She quoted what theologian John Piper once said about his own cancer battle, cancer doesn't win if we die. Cancer only wins if we fail to cherish Jesus Christ. Amen to that, she says. In 2015, she was declared cancer-free. But in November of 2019, she underwent tests on a small nodule that had developed over the site of her mastectomy. After biopsies, doctors discovered a small cancerous tumor within the nodule. She said this, when I received the unexpected news of cancer from my oncological surgeon, I relaxed and smiled, knowing something knowing that my sovereign God loves me dearly and holds me tightly in his hands. She said, what good is it if we only trust the Lord when we understand his ways? That only guarantees a life filled with doubts. Johnny knew something. She looked up. She fixed her eyes on her Savior. She fixed her eyes on his goodness and his gracious, sovereign care for her. She fixed her eyes on eternal realities, which were a constant renewal to her soul. So we we do not lose heart, and we're renewed day by day when we cultivate our inner self, when we anticipate our future reward, and concentrate on eternal realities. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you that you have not only created us and not only recreated us by faith in Christ, but Lord, one day we're looking forward to the consummation of all things, when all of the troubles and the afflictions and the hardships of our lives will be behind us. And we're going to see our glorious, divine, Son of God, Savior, face-to-face and worship Him in His very presence. Oh, God, would you use these eternal realities to encourage us us encourage us day by day and renew us day by day. Give us spiritual strength day by day. Help us, Lord, not to focus on all the things that are seen. But as we look at them, let us look up as well. Help us, Lord Jesus, to fix our eyes on eternal realities. Lord, you are so good. You don't have to do any of that. You don't have to do one ounce of it. Because all we've done is offer you sin and rebellion. But Lord, we'll be thanking you for the rest of eternity. In Christ's name we pray, amen.